Hello, this is Ken Root. I'm walking along in a state park in western Nebraska, and I'm looking at uh, Merritt Reservoir and the cottonwood trees that are around it. And I thought I'd try my first uh, monologue podcast. I want to sit down here at a picnic bench under one of these big cottonwood trees to tell you this 10-minute story about my youth and how the cottonwood tree fits into it and perhaps trigger a pleasant memory of your life or a bit of a laugh of what happened in mine. When I was a child, we had lived in an old house that uh, had uh, two big cottonwood trees in the front yard. They sat near the road and they were quite tall. And our house sent to the east of those, and uh, it was just a one-story, pretty ramshackle, wood, red house with a uh, shingled roof that hadn't been replaced in many years. Cottonwood trees are interesting in where they grow because they will show you where water is. If you know cottonwoods, you know why the word cotton is in the name, because they are pretty light wood, and every spring when they uh, shed their seeds, they come off like a mass of snow, cottony floating little balls that come down and disperse all over the countryside. And many people do not like to have that covering on their yard, house, car. So the trees are shunned in residential areas. Well, we had them and we just lived with what we had in that time and place. And those trees blocked the sun in the afternoon and they were quite tall. Cottonwoods, if they can find the right environment and they've got water under them and they're protected from fire as they grow and protected from rodents when they're young, they'll get to be 75 or 100 feet tall. Well, these trees were mature without a doubt, but they were still growthy all the way to the top. But one day, my dad told my mother he had had a dream that one of those cottonwoods had fallen on the house. My father was a dominant man and my mother, even though she would protest, rarely came out on top of any argument. But she stood her ground for 66 years with him, and so she gave up the ghost. He decided that he was going to cut that tree down. We didn't have a chainsaw yet. This was back in the late 50s. But he had a crosscut saw. And crosscut saws with a man on each end and sharp, will move through wood pretty fast. Well, he got my oldest brother out there who was 18 years older than me, and my brother didn't have enough gumption to ask dad why he was cutting that tree, or even to suggest they fell it to the west, where that it could fall across the road and they could have taken the steeples out of the neighbor's fence and 
drop it there and then pull the fence back up and the neighbors would have been fine with that. But you didn't do that. You never dropped a tree on somebody else's property, even on the county road, according to my father. So they begin sawing this tree down, which is setting out in front of our house. Now, my brother did ask him if he thought it was gonna hit the house. And I vividly recall my father saying, no, I stepped it off. Now think about that for just a moment. My father knew how far it was to the house, but he did not know how tall the tree was. And so as they continued to cut and the tree fell, he fulfilled that dream because that tree took the porch off the house. It was a terrible clatter. My mother came outside and she just stared in disbelief that he had done this. And uh, somewhat sheepishly for a little while, he got an ax and they started cutting the limbs to get it off of the porch. And the porch was just in shambles and pulled it back. And then he and my brother that day and other days chunked up that tree and hauled it away. About two years later, I'm about 11 at this time, my dad was working for the county highway department and they had a chainsaw. Now if there's anything that my father loved, it was a chainsaw because it was a weapon of mass destruction. He could will it to take a tall tree down in a matter of minutes. So he showed up one afternoon, just he and I at home, and he had that chainsaw. And he started cutting the taller tree. Now, we've already hit the house with the other tree that was much shorter. And if you headed north from our house, we had another outbuilding made of wood that was about 30 feet north of our house. It was called a granary. It was an old structure. It had wooden grain bins on one side and it had a drive-through on the other side and all of it was covered. And it was as junky as anything else, but it's all we had. Dad began to saw on that tree. And for an hour, he would cut and he would aim and he would notch and finally, he dropped that tree. And it went exactly between the house and the granary. It never hit anything but the ground. It was an incredible shot. But I had to ask myself, why? What was the purpose of this? It was a perfectly good living tree it was blocking the sun in the afternoon and did not look to me like it would have fallen down on its own for 50 years. And if we'd had a tornado, it would have taken the house out anyway. So he came so close to destroying our habitation twice that uh, it's almost surreal that it happened. But we lived through it and he went on to use his own chainsaw after retirement 
and cut down pretty much every tree that was on our property. I recall when he was 80 years old, he called me and he said, Kenny, I'm gonna give you a hickory tree. You need to come down here and get it in your pickup. Well, I drove down from Kansas, brought my two kids with me in an old pickup I had that was not good on springs or tires and went out there and this tree was considerably bigger than I thought it would be. We parked away from it and he said, now you stay in the truck as he fired up the chainsaw. I'm now 40, so I didn't stay in the truck. I left the kids in the truck, but I got out and stood in front of the truck. He walked over to that tree, an 80 year old man, and within two minutes, a tree with about a 30 inch diameter was laying on its side. He was incredibly good with that chainsaw. We chunked it up and the pieces were very heavy. And I put in only enough to bring the springs down most of the way and then refused to take the rest. The next year after the big tree was cut down, we bought another house that sat a couple of miles from us that we moved in and put it on our property just to the south of the old red house. It took quite a bit of doing to uh, break that house in half that we had bought. It was what's called a shotgun style. It had a two-story or story and a half on the front and then it had a one-story kitchen on the back and we broke it in half at that point and then uh, hauled it in and set it at a 90 degree angle and then dad put a bathroom in it so for the first time in their lives and mine we had indoor plumbing. I was 11 and they were in their early 50s. He had a few trees that already were growing around the area where that uh, that new house went and after I had left home I got a call from my mother and she said uh, your dad today decided he would go up on the house and cut off limbs that were getting close to it. She said, I was sitting in there and I heard this sound and I saw this chainsaw flying off the roof and then I saw this man behind it. He was flying off the roof too. It was about an eight foot drop from the porch of that house to the ground. And dad's explanation was that uh, he was holding on to the limb he was cutting. So uh, he saw that he was gonna fall and the first thing he did was throw the chainsaw and then went down the roof because he couldn't keep his balance and went off the edge. He hit, got up, the chainsaw was still running. He picked it up, went back up the ladder, and finished the job. I'd like to tell you that I've made some of this up, but as God is my witness, everything I have told you is true. I don't know why the man did what he did. I don't know how the man lived to tell about it, but he lived to be 92 years old.
and he was a most colorful character. I'm sitting in a little wildlife area in western Nebraska on the bank of Merritt Reservoir, looking out at this beautiful flat lake here in the sand hills and remembering my youth, maybe a little too much, but I have another monologue to tell you. I'm afraid of the water. Now, I'm not deathly afraid of it. I have done a number of things in the water, and I can swim, and I can get myself from point A to point B and feel like I'm okay. But honestly, truly, I'm never comfortable in the water. And the reason goes back to my childhood. We grew up in an area where that flood stage on any river was about three feet deep, and the water was so muddy that you could almost walk on it. And we had a limited number of places we could swim. However, as I got a little older, people started going from my hometown into Oklahoma City to an amusement park called Spring Lake. And Spring Lake sounds so beautiful, and I can remember the positive feeling as a child of going there because I could hear the roller coaster run, and I could see the Lincoln Park Zoo over across the street. We went through it, and I could see the swimming pool. It was a huge swimming pool by my view of the day, and I always wanted to go there. Well, as I got to be about seven or eight years old, my sister, who was 10 years older than I, was going with a group of friends, and so my mother agreed to go along and take me. My sister had told me that all you had to do to swim was just jump in and wave your arms and kick your feet. We get to the gate, and it's 25 cents for children, it's 50 cents for adults. 50 cents. To my mother, that was a lot of money. And so my sister was going in, so she sent me in with my sister, and I paid my 25 cents and went on through the turnstile, and my mother went out and up into a little set of bleachers with a chain link fence in front of it actually it's more like chicken wire as I remember it and sat down there one level above the pool so she was like eight feet above the pool and as soon as I could I come out through the men's dressing room and out onto the concrete and there is a swimming pool and so I immediately go to the side I look in it's this beautiful clear almost turquoise water and I jumped in and I started to kick my feet and wave my arms and I couldn't get my head above the surface and I look up and I kick and I realize I can't touch the bottom my sister has already run off to the other end with her friends and I began to panic and I kick more, and I churn more, and nothing happens, and I'm running out of breath.
I finally get myself to the surface and grab the side just as the lifeguard has gotten to me and is ready to come in after me. And I am choking. I am dizzy. But I manage to look up and there hanging from the top of that chain link about 15 feet above me is my mother. And she had started screaming when I went under and had no way to get into the pool. So she began to climb that chain link fence. And she had gotten the attention of the lifeguard and gotten that lady over there and had literally gotten herself all the way up that fence by the time that I came up, grabbed the side of the pool, and they pulled me out. That's the story. From that point on, I have been afraid of the water. <laughs>